like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at liveonfourlegspod. Well, thank you for your patience, not because, uh, not just for the 15 extra minutes to, because uh, it was a bit of a traffic buildup, but, uh, fuck 15 minutes. How, how about the 25 months you had to wait since the... had to wait too, I can feel the pain, but let me just tell you, it is my honor to be able to come here and sing for you tonight. And on behalf of the band, it is their great joy to be able to come here and play for you. And even our crew, our crew, even the local crew, they're happy just to come out here and work for you. So look, we couldn't appreciate your presence anymore. They say absence makes the heart grow fonder. It also makes it grow bigger and more strong. And with that big heart, we're loving being here in San Diego tonight. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring Mr. Stone Gossett. Fucking Cameron in the truck. everybody now welcome to live on four legs a definitive live pearl jam podcast and there's lots happening around pearl jam universe there are shows that are going to be happening there are tickets that you may or may not have in your Ticketmaster wallet and that's a phenomenal thing because this is what we live for this is what we go out 
and seek to do and seek to see our friends and seek to see this band for all the joy and happiness that they provide you. And when it comes to this show and this podcast, that is why we do it every week, because we love capturing that and giving it back to you as much as humanly possible. But that kind of ties into what we're doing this week, too, because we're going back. And when this episode airs, it's going to be Wednesday the 3rd. We're going back and we're doing 365 days ago when the Gigaton Tour officially started. We're doing the first night, San Diego. Everybody was in anticipation, not knowing what was going to happen, not knowing how the Pearl Jam sets were going to change from here on out. So we're going to get into all that and tell a great story featuring somebody that got a request at this show. So lots to get to. Randy Sobel over here, John Farrar over there. Hello. hello. Why don't we just start? Where were you? And I kind of remember what our expectations were, essentially. But... Mm -hmm. You know, just kind of recapping on that, like 365 days ago before this show, what in terms of either expectations or like what kind of things were going through your mind as we are about to finally get the quote unquote 2020 tour back? Well, we had gotten those See Here Now and Ohana and Encore stuff late in 2021. So we kind of got a little bit of a taste of what the Gigaton stuff would sound like. But this was really the start. Yeah, just getting to see, like, just, God, what are these songs going to sound like? Like, which ones are going to become prominent in the set? Which ones are going to step up and move up in the list? Which ones are going to fall to the wayside? And you get a little bit of both in the show. I think we get eight gigaton songs here, which is probably the most of any show. It quickly went down to probably about half that. But the enthusiasm was high. You know, they were back. This is a great crowd, a great place to start it. And I think it was everybody was thinking like, oh, you know, the anticipation was so high. And I remember we were trying to figure out live streams and Facebook stuff and running set lists and all that stuff was was just getting started again. So there was a lot of excitement going on a year ago. Yeah, I can't remember if you were on the Zoom for this one. Were you on the Zoom for this one? Do you remember that? Maybe. I know it was Joey and I and maybe Patrick and maybe Steve Bennett. But I'm not entirely sure because I knew I wrote this Concertpedia one and I remember every time hearing something like just verbatim take exactly what Ed said from it because it's going to be important for this. And this is a show where the stories are just as important as the performances, maybe even more so. So it's the full package, you know, they're not going to a place that Pearl Jam doesn't have a lot of history and they're going to San Diego. This is a top five city for Pearl Jam. It's a hometown show. There's a lot of people that are going to be there, family members and guitar teachers and the likes and celebrities, baseball players that are going to be there to support this band and support Ed and, and everything like Karen Vetter's there. So it's so much to put on their shoulders To have this be the first show, it was in the thousands in terms of days since they had played a Pearl Jam show that wasn't a festival. So when you usually think about openers of tours, it kind of is the show that sort of settles you in and you can kind of fix things on the fly and like work out mistakes. And there were a couple things in the show where you were able to see like, okay, that wasn't a trend that happened, or maybe that was a trend that happened, but it feels like because this started in a place where there's already very, very high expectations 
that they set the bar really, really high. And with this show, I absolutely met it. Yeah, and I remember too thinking like, "Oh, it's going to be Long Road. It's going to be released. It's going to be yes. It's going to be then like trying to like nail down, you know, what they were going to do." And like, this is kind of the beginning of a new era. Like you mentioned, it had been three and a half years since they played like a real arena show, and it was kind of like no one really knew what what they were going to do. They had kind of a blank slate to come out and set the tone for for what the year was going to be. And like, it didn't always go to plan last year. But we, we know what happened with Sacramento and Vegas and all that, and then what happened later on in Europe. But all that is is dust in the wind at this point. Like, we're still full on go, just getting excited for what was going to happen. And as far as, you know, the podcast goes, just let's just get a set list underneath us. And the Concertpedia was going, and it's like stuff was starting to happen. Yeah, and even in retrospect a little bit, when you look at this show, it's almost like from that leg, the Dave Cruzen show and like some of the crazy Oakland shows, notwithstanding, but like this was going to be very, very hard to top because they had a lot of things that they had to get to a lot of things they had to mention. And you know what? I'm going to take the time to actually do this now and get to our interview because one of the things that Ed does mention during the show before a beautiful rendition of Long Road is that he said it was a request from Mike for his brother Stan. And shortly after this show, I got connected with Mike. He became a patron, and and I got to talking to him a little bit. And I said to him, I think we should tell your story on here. And we finally, 365 days later, are able to do it. So Mike originally put this out to the forums, and we're going to start there on what story he told when he wrote that up. And we'll tell the whole thing right here because it's pretty heartbreaking. But take a listen. Yeah, I just basically went into the forum and said, hey, the backstory is that in October of 2013, my brother Stan slipped, falling, fell down the stairs, in fact, and hit his back into the wall and broke or damaged severely his coccyx nerve and basically couldn't walk and couldn't move. And was stuck in bed for a while and we had tickets to see pj of course floor seats ga in san diego so he's still in bed but he basically crawled and got a wheelchair and we found a way to rent a van to get the chair in so he could go to the fucking pearl jam show i pushed him in in ga and we loved it we had such a good time it was awesome and it's the only thing he did when he was in that wheelchair, when he was in that condition, other than go to the doctor, he went to Pearl Jam. That's it. He didn't go anywhere else. He didn't see anyone else. But there was no way he was going to miss that show. Unfortunately, a couple months later, around February of 2014, he started having some complications. And then it, it could be due to a lot of things, medication or just being in that condition. Uh, but anyway, he, he went in and he was starting to have some issues with his liver and his kidneys. And he was in the hospital from mid-February. And then in, um, I thought he was getting better. I mean, he was in there in early March. And uh, it's his 39th birthday it was March 8th, 2014. And a few days later, I went in to go see him. And the doctor pulled me and his wife aside and said, you know, he's... Um, uh, there were problems, and I, I, I didn't know what it could be. And he said, "Well, he's he's had a he's had a, a brain hemorrhage, 
And I was like, okay, well, let's just drain the brain. And because I'm the type of person that's always like, well, let's figure this out, let's fix it. And he's like, look, there's no fixing this. And he showed me this scan and it's like, he's like, it, it's all blood. There's nothing we can do. We basically just have to, you know, put him in hospice and uh, you know, you're gonna have to say goodbye. It should go back a couple days before that. Uh, when he was in the hospital, he had tubes a number of times in his throat and when they would have to sedate him. And when he would come out, he couldn't talk very well, obviously, because ha having all that, all the medicine running through him and the fact that he'd had tubes in his throat. And he was just bored in the hospital. So I would either put a movie like on an iPad or uh, I went out and bought one, an MP3 player, an old ass MP3 player, and just loaded it with PJ, with, with albums, with live performances. And I'm like, dude, what do you want to do? He's like, get me Pearl Jam, get me Pearl Jam. That's what kind of was keeping him going in the hospital when he was by himself. He had that little MP3 player and he could, he would sing. You wouldn't hear it because he, his throat was basically damaged. But the nurses were like, that's the best thing. Like his spirits get up every time he listens to that music. I mean, it wasn't enough to keep him with us. But uh, yeah, we lost him um, just less than a week after his birthday. Wow. Um, yeah. Thank, thank you so much for sharing that. And you can tell the way that you were telling the story, you can tell how much you cared about him and how much you loved him and how much you were trying to help push the situation and, and find a way to get him better. Yeah, it's quite a, quite a story, Mike. Yeah, take us then to this 2022 show. You, you make the post on the yeah. forums and then... What's kind of the reaction? Did you hear something? How, what, what does that kind of lead up to in the, in the show here? Yeah, so I put the post out. Just All I did was just say, hey, here's the story. And just said, like, hey, look, this is, this is his life. And I just want to hear his favorite song to hear, especially live, was In My Tree. He loved that song, the way it just, he goes, in an arena, it just comes, like, when the drums start kicking in, it just opens up, like, the skies. And I'm like, hey, would you play it for him when you're in San Diego, it'll kind of be my, my way of saying goodbye to him. And they didn't do that. <laughs> but uh, I think what they did was actually better. I got to give credit to a lot of people on the forum too. They're just like bumping it, bumping it, bumping it and trying to bring it to the attention. But I, I thought that, yeah, then maybe there's a chance that somebody mentions it to him that they play in my tree or maybe they'll play in my tree anyway. And I'll feel like it was because of the post, but regardless, I'd never thought we were going to get what we got, which was... Yeah, you got the tag on daughter. That was yeah. his way of, of throwing it in and, and not letting it off completely. Yeah, and you know what the thing is? like The way that he connected the loss of his brother to the loss of mine in the story that he told before Long Road, it was better than just playing in my tree because it was saying, hey, I'm going to mention you by name. And he mentioned Stan by name. And I'm like, dude, like, I basically looked up to the heavens and said, all right, dude, I'm done. Like, there is no greater gift I can give you. Eddie Vader came to San Diego and talked about you on stage. That's it. So um, it was surreal. And at first when he started saying, you know, there's somebody named Mike. And I was like, oh, he's talking about McCready. But he was not. And I just, I, I burst into tears, man. Uh, I was there with uh, my buddy from St. Paul and our friend Bree from San Diego. And she was also basically one of Stan's absolute best friends. So when he started talking, like the, we were just crying. It was, it was a lot. And then, of course, you know, like you said, a few songs later, 
you know, it gave me a chance to at least recover. <laughs> and they played daughter, and during the tag, and I'm like, he's tagging in my tree. And they've never done that before. And that, to me, was like, hey, look, I'm not doing this for the whole crowd to understand what I'm saying, because I did that earlier. This is for you. And I could never like, thank Ed enough for that, for just like saying, hey, this is just for those who know. And for everybody else, it's just a tag. It's great. But God, it was so emotional. Once again, I just from the bottom of both of our hearts, just thank you so much to Mike for expressing that, for sharing everything. And you can tell in his voice that that wasn't easy for him. And I really appreciate him coming on and, and, and doing that and sharing with all of you too, because this is what it's all about, guys. This is what this band means to people. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an incredible story. It adds so much to the power behind this show, you know, knowing that story and gives it a little more weight and get a little more sense for what, you know, Ed was talking about. And we've got a, we've got a preset here too, the debut of Keep Me In Your Heart at a Pearl Jam show. And I think he was probably thinking about that too. I wouldn't be surprised if that was meant for Mike and Stan as kind of a tribute as well. Yeah, perhaps. And whenever you go back, and I think Ed will say that the 2013 San Diego show was the second to last time that he had saw his brother. So, you know, thinking about that and thinking about how his brother was up in the rafters and connecting all that together, it's definitely weighing on his mind at this moment. Once again, thanks to Mike. Just wonderful stuff. Before we get into any songs or anything like that, there's one thing I'd like to mention. There was a video that was surfacing in our podcast community group last year, and it was nothing short of spectacular. It's from our patron, Brooke, and also from a friend of mine, Frank, who were sitting next to each other, who were on the GA line together. And apparently this GA line, there was no opening the gates and everybody rush up to the front. The way that it started was that security kind of brought them up through like the rafters almost through like the 200 300 level and down the stairs and and over and the way that the video is shot focusing on all of this there's like some like very almost heavenly music in the background like very kind of positive and light spirited and the whole arena is like shimmering and red so seeing this video of just walking through the arena and down the stairs feels like they are walking into almost a magical realm. It's a really, really wonderful sight to see. Have you seen this before? Do you remember the video? I, I don't. Yeah. Hmm. I'm going to have Brooke bring this back up at some point on our socials this week because, yeah, this was really, really cool and it kind of almost brought you to like, okay, well, this is the new era of Pearl Jam here, so buckle up for the ride. Yeah, it sounds like something out of Disney World or something. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I don't know if that was all pre-planned or what, but yeah, yeah. yeah it's very, very unique. So, all right, we kind of mentioned a little bit before that the preset is back in this. And, of course, the preset's being done because it's the first time in a long time that they've had an opener join for the shows, and it happens to be Josh, as plural one. And Ed, Ed would even say, before introducing Josh on, that this was always going to be the plan in 2020 to have him 
open up and then help the band out later. But the preset really hadn't happened in a long time because they didn't have the opener. And I'm sure throughout this time, you have to figure that like the first three or four shows, I think, had the preset. And then once the COVID stuff started to happen, I don't think they did it in the last couple shows of this leg, but maybe I'm wrong. But yeah, Ed comes out and he's going to do Keep Me In Your Heart. Great Warren Zevon song. Yet to debut it here at a Pearl Jam show, I think is really special and really kind of leads into what the theme of this night is going to be. For sure. And this is always kind of a staple of his show, even before Earthlings, you know, during Earthlings, this was too. But this was usually an opener, you know, at festivals, at Ohana. Like he would come out and he would do this first to kind of get the crowd warmed up. And he does the same thing here. And yeah, this was a really nice way to introduce your crowd and give them Josh, experience Josh for the first time. And then like an hour or so later, it's going to be the main event. This show was going to be themed around songs that were written in the local area, that were written in the ocean. That's the way we're going to start here. John, you nailed it on the head before when you said we were all thinking that Long Road was the lock to open. Long Road obviously being played, and that has a major connection to San Diego, as we all know, going way back. But... What I remember is that it threw us for a loop. We were all very, very surprised because I don't think anybody really had Oceans on the radar to be like the first one for the whole entire tour. Right. But I really like the way that they come out here. It's completely in the dark. You just hear the song itself. It's, you know, and they did this at the 2021 shows too, where we thought they were going to come out super heavy and emotional and they didn't and they just kind of came out just a nice easy opening and then get into it and oceans yeah it doesn't have the kind of emotional heft of long road or release or something like that but it's still from 10 people still go crazy when they hear those notes and it always is a crowd pleaser especially on the west coast when you're right on the beach there yeah and you know the performance isn't perfect here i think that at this stage in the game you're going to see this a couple of times as being the first show that ed is still warming up and still figuring out a couple of these but yeah he has trouble hitting some of the high notes and just warming up they aren't going to play oceans a whole lot anyway but it's the whole entire band reminding themselves of what it's like to be out there And I think once you get into the next song, 
which is going to follow up with another gigaton song like you're right there mm-hmm. you, you are brought back to okay we are at a pearl jam show believe it or not retrograde is going to go into never destination and i didn't really peg retrograde as being like the opener type and in total it really wasn't it didn't end up being that way they did it for one show at ohana and then usually after that it was somewhere near the middle of the set or the quote-unquote closer of the sit-down set and right away like both of us are just head over heels with this song and from hearing it live i think like the bright spots that happen in it is just that it goes from delightful and delicate in a way to destructive in like a heartbeat and to me within the whole purpose of the album within the whole purpose of what the message of the song is it kind of feels like climate change in a way i know i've brought that up before but it kind of feels like the beginning is the reality that you think you're living in and then once they get into the destructive side like that's the glacier that's breaking apart and if you put that together, I can sound like I'm batshit crazy by saying this, but if you put that together and how that impacts the sound of the performance, I mean, I think it's right there. Yeah, you know, we did that St. Louis show last year and talked about that version. It does really sound like thunder when that bridge comes in. And this version is not quite that. You know, I wasn't in the building like I was in St. Louis, so I, I can't tell you for sure. But on the bootleg, it's still a big moment. And this was one of the ones that, yeah, I definitely circled on Gigaton to like, let's see what they do with this live. This could be something really special. It is a big moment. I wish they would have played it every night. Yeah, they really need to play it more in the nine shows. If it's not played at like at least six of the nine, then I think that's a major mistake. But I have somebody here that agrees with me, and that's going to be the gear guru, Javier, who is going to gush over the song right now, too, and talk a little bit about 2022 and what the tone and the gear that was being used for this year. And he's going to go off. He's he's the man. So I'm going to let him speak and, and, and talk to you guys. So here he is. John. Hey everyone on the podcast. I know that this week we're covering San Diego 2022, but first of all, I wanted to say thank you to everyone who sent a pic of the last tour. Thank you everyone who responded. We were looking to get a little bit more specifics about certain things that we wanted to cover and talk about, especially if we're going to be covering this tour. So thank you to everyone who responded. The second thing, I just want to give a huge shout to Aaron, Lori, Amy, Dukes, and Randy. We had such an incredible weekend for Record Store Day weekend. Uh, We were able to see the Rockfords live. Personally, I had the opportunity to meet one of my guitar heroes, and it's a moment that I will never forget. 
Mr. Mike McCready, if you didn't know. So I'm so grateful to be part of this community. I'm so lucky to call this group of guys friends. And Randy, I know that some stuff happened, but we were thinking about you and you were there with us all the time. We never forgot about you. We're always talking about how much you would have enjoyed to be there with us. So thank you guys. And I cannot wait to see you all at the tour late summer, early fall. With that being said, let's talk about tone, okay? The approach was completely different this time. For this tour, these guys went a little bit more for a bigger headroom. I think the songs were calling for that, especially like songs like Retrograde, Seven O'Clock, whoever said those songs, they need that kind of amp for a bigger headroom. They are clearly asking for it. So this guys, this time, they decided to go for tubeless amps. Yeah, they were running Fender Twin Reverbs, Fender Deluxe Reverbs, and for crunchy tones. Retrograde is a very good example of the sonic direction that the band was taking too. Before, Pearl Jam has been known to have super mid-range kind of-ish sound live, right? But the kind of equipment they were using this time allows them to be super tone-scooped, less mid-range. And the guitars and like the bass, they sound like bell-like, like glass top end, like super warm bottom end. It's a really cool direction that they took because also when you listen to this kind of song, specifically at the end, you can hear this super in-your-face crunchy tone coming to you without being overwhelming. And it's because of the headroom of the equipment being picked for this tour. Like, you can very much push your amp volume-wise without making it distorted. And that's going to have that clarity. And it's so important because if you listen to this track live, Stone is doing so many things in the background that you don't even notice. He's just building little layers of reverb, like very silently till the end when he goes full on reverb and overdrive on plus the EP booster on the top. And you just make the song huge, very loud, without the need to have like huge overdrive on top of that. That was a really great approach. I think it was a great idea for this tour and it's something that I haven't heard before in a Pearl Jam live setting. Never Destination is the follow-up to that. And it's in a spot that I remember when the set was going on and when we were getting updates live and I heard Never Destination was number three. I thought, I don't see this as that. Like, I kind of, after retrograde, it's like, all right, let's go. Like, Corduroy. Let's go into Corduroy right away. Let's light the fire and and really go with this crowd. And, and Never Destination, it still feels more like a mid-set kind of song to me. With that being said, I thought this was a really 
tight performance. Really fiercely energetic that Ed was on this too. It's going to be tough for him because the lyrics and it's gonna linger a little bit, but like even the length of this one just didn't bother me at all. This was full on the gas, I'm full go right here. This was a very tight performance. I mean, we've been doing a lot of Riot Act Terror shows, Avocado shows. With those albums, it felt like they were kind of handpicking two or three songs to kind of pair together early in the set. Like you would get Life Wasted and Worldwide Suicide, or you would get Got Some and The Fixer, you would get Save You and can't remember the other one I'm thinking of. I Am Mine and Love Boat Captain. Yeah, I Am Mine and Love Boat Captain. Right. This Never Destination, it feels like they were trying to see if it would pair early on and do so because it is it's an ed song it's kind of a strummier song the intro to me sounds just like worldwide suicide when this came out i was like why are they doing worldwide suicide here just for a few seconds but then you know the never destination part kicks in but this one doesn't hit for me live it's one of those that's too wordy it reminds me you know too much of lightning bolt and too much of swallowed hole and any handful of other songs from the last few records that you could classify as I won't say album filler, but like not highlights from the album. But, you know, there's a reason this was only played eight times throughout the year. So Ed's going to speak. This is going to be like the first of like 12 times that he's going to speak. So I'll try not to do everything verbatim, but there's some important things to say. Good evening. Let's see who we got out there. He's looking around all the sides, to the back, to the side. And he just lets the audience give him the applause and the appreciation and he looks around and is just kind of basking in this and and really seems truly humbled and says i haven't felt that in a long time thank you for your patience sorry you had to wait so long and he's kind of saying like today like oh there was a traffic issue where we were backed up for 15 minutes but fuck 15 minutes how about the 25 months that you all had to wait we've had to wait for this so long too we feel the pain but let me tell you it's my honor to be able to come here and sing for you tonight on behalf of the band it's their great joy to play for you our crew and the local crew are happy to come out here and work for you. I look at the schedule and thought it was a new venue. Okay, he's messing around a little bit here, and he's kind of saying, I didn't recognize the Viejas name, and I remembered it as Cox. And when you say the word Cox, and when you have Ed, the can sometimes be we're, the, we're, the we're sixth the grader. All of a sudden. That's it, right. So... He says, absence makes the heart grow fonder. It also makes it grow bigger and more strong. And with that heart, we're loving being here in San Diego tonight. Corduroy, this kind of show, this is the one I'm waiting for. Give me Corduroy. Give me the big Pearl Jam moment in this. And it didn't really start out that way because the riffy intro is very interesting. It's kind of like a little bit dark very low-key and then kind of the opposite of what interstellar overdrive does or kind of the big triumphant hit that he does when he just plays it straight but yeah i like this kind of you know delay the big moment a little bit and give people something to a little bit of work up to give it a little bit of a build i like this whole entire tour i think they kind of stopped somewhere mid through california 
and I believe it's one of the LA shows that you gotta listen to that has a really, really good one that transitions really nicely. I think it might be Night to LA, but Corduroy, all it has to do is exist, and it does its job. It does feel a little bit weird, I will say, because we've done so many 2003 shows in the last handful of weeks that we are going back to the call and response section in the middle. And it kind of threw me off because like I, I you know, and it doesn't usually happen. I usually don't mind it as much as other people, but like here, it sort of takes you out of what the song's presence is supposed to be. I kind of have thought that, but again, didn't mind that. But this one, I don't think needed the call and response. I like it because you're giving the crowd a moment here, and I like that he doesn't pander to them. He goes straight for the masterclass call and response, like, I'm going to test you guys early on and see if you can hang with me. It is a big moment, and they, they added that to make it be more of a big moment in the set and give the crowd a moment on it. All in all, this is a really epic version of Corduroy, and you're going back to probably six and a half, seven minutes at least here. Yeah, that's Corduroy in its sweet spot, and we get the whole entire band as we love to see on this song especially where everybody's huddled around matt while mike is on the far end just tearing his side up and the the full video for this wasn't great it was just like one camera one angle didn't move a whole lot but you were able to see a lot of those early 90s videos where let's just let's just watch ed yeah let's put it on a tripod who who cares what anyone else is doing right but you're able to see ed kind of in the corner of your screen and and you can see him he's just throwing away at that he's going really really hard after that and yeah you need something really familiar you came out with a 10 song then did two gigaton songs but like corduroy's saying we're not fucking around anymore let's get to this and was terrific in that aspect more talking again there's going to be a lot of talking at the show and ed will even say at some point i won't do this at other shows and that's probably the reason why this is two hours and 40 minutes instead of okay. two hours and 25 right he thanks the local crew for the last couple of days and whoever decided that we were going to start in san diego deserves a big present then he talks about he was out riding a bike and it was almost getting clipped while cars were going by in the bike lane and a tesla stopped and there was a song on the radio that he had recognized so he's like i went through the files pointing at his head like okay all this music like let's go through the library and it it turns out it was one of theirs so compliments to the san diego radio stations and even does like one of the taglines that that gets recognized by the crowd and when the car stopped at a light he looked down and the woman driving the car looked over almost as if to say who the fuck are you and in that moment dance the clairvoyance is what he heard so dance here And I know we kind of talked about what its presence was like when we did those episodes late last year, that it didn't quite have like crowd call and response moments. And in that aspect, it almost weirdly became an afterthought, especially when you put it up against the last three records and what those first singles were like. Mind Your Manners was played every single night the fixer and got some like those were one and two like those were very very consistent in 09 and 10 even going before that you mentioned worldwide suicide before you almost could not get away from worldwide suicide in 2006 through 2008 it's just interesting to me that dance didn't get that same treatment and i'm wondering if it were 2020 
if this would have been like at all 33 shows. Well, it was the most played one, right? I think it but turned, even w- yeah. even with that, it felt like an afterthought. Hmm. I mean, they pull it off, and like you can talk about what Josh is doing and how he, he adds a lot to like the texture and Jeff playing the synth and you know Stone playing bass and all that. You know, they they pull it off. They do a faithful version of it. But like you said, I don't think it grabs the crowd enough. I don't think they made it enough of a moment. Like it feels like kind of a momentum killer in a set. It's just like oh, here's this other thing that we do. Make it be the beginning of the encore. Make it be the opener of the show. Like don't just stick it in between two more guitar based traditional Pearl Jam songs. I think you lose a lot of momentum with it. I don't think it translates very well live. And that's kind of what I'm saying by afterthought. I wasn't saying yeah. like, oh, the band didn't yeah. play it and, and were, wasn't paying attention to it. It was just like when whoever said was getting played every single night late in that run, when Quick Escape was gaining a lot of momentum, like nobody was really talking about Dance of the Clairvoyance as much yeah. as they were talking felt, about those Yeah, it felt like shows. more of an obligation than a thing like, oh, th- this is working really well, so let's play it. Like I said, whoever said went on a run of like eight or nine straight shows, like you could tell like, that was building into something, but yeah, Dance of the Clairvoyance never had that. Of course, this is an important speech, but as talking again, because of our location, we're choosing songs that had something to do with the ocean. Whether it's said or not, 50% of these songs were written in the ocean or around the ocean, and Surfrider has been very important because I just want to protect the place where I've written these lyrics over the years, and Surfrider has been mentioned a couple of times on this podcast, the foundation that Ed has donated to and, and put together. Yep, did, those, uh, the did those music for the Mother Ocean comps back in the 90s. That's right. So I think once you hear that, your whole thought process of what this show is about changes because it's almost like a love letter to San Diego through the songs that remind him of back before Pearl Jam almost and some that even like amongst the waves that are is going to happen right here some that even just kind of remind him of the ocean yeah it's like surfing he's like let's go surfing and just listen to some songs that's what they're doing here Yep, exactly. So, yeah, Amongst the Waves, Even Flow is going to be packaged together. Ed does point out an issue in the crowd. And I think going back to that previous year in 2021, we really hadn't had a point in the set where there wasn't an issue where Ed had to point something out and say, get him some help. And they don't stop the song in this one. So at least they're able to kind of go off on a little momentum. Yeah. Nice performance here. I think there was a version in, I want to say Berlin that I thought was just awful on Ed's voice, but he did a good job on this one, but I think it's, it's really about even flow here. And Ed will comment right before the song. He says, after 25 months, it's time for Mike McCready to be unleashed. <laughs> yeah, the time to unleash the beast. Yeah, it just feels like he had been, you know, kept in a cage for two years and then let out and just comes out screaming. Yeah, even Flo is a big highlight. And like, you could tell he just was so happy and so full of joy to just be there doing it. And like, it's not the flashiest. It's not the most powerful. It's not the most emotional. But... It's long. You can tell that he's just overjoyed to be doing it again. It's going back to the amps and getting the feedback moments. And even some of the pieces of what the solo is in this, like there's a lot of different kind of tributes to Eddie Van Halen, I thought. And I think that's pretty telling. I can't remember when Eddie Van Halen passed away. I don't remember if it was before the Ohanas or not. I think it was before, but it's still like now you're on a big Pearl Jam stage moment. You're going to pay tribute to somebody that has been a major influence on you. And I'm wondering if 
not just for this show, but the whole entire tour, that was absolutely on Mike's mind. Yeah, I definitely think so. Yeah. And even at the end of the song, like, just delivers toward the end, the crowd was unleashed, too. The crowd really comes alive during this. And even Mike, like, almost can't stop himself. <laughs> He's finishing the song, and the song is over. Everybody has kind of hit their last note, and Mike is just, okay, I got a little more, I got a little more, and then finishes and he's just yeah right out of gauge phenomenal performance there Now we're going to get into two songs that we just mentioned a couple minutes ago, Whoever Said and Quick Escape, which just feels like the big time songs from this Gigaton record, the ones that are the true rockers, the ones that belong in this setting, the ones that really translated well to the crowd. I know you're not a huge Whoever Said fan, but like this one became an absolute killer. Mm-hmm. And here, they had only done it one time, at one of the Ohanas, I believe it was the first encore show. So, like, now they're able to kind of bring it back and, and see what they have with it, see what the song is going to do, and, and get some traction on it. And there's little things that really work for it, little awkward things. I think there was a moment bridging between, like, the satisfaction tag that sounded a little off, and, and that will happen because there's a lot of different pieces to this song, too. It's not just straight up verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, over. It has other pieces. I know you've commented on that before. I don't know if you want to yeah. sort of play off of that. Yeah, I won't spend too much time on it, but I mean, the song would be better at three minutes than it is at five and a half minutes, I think. It just goes on too long. And like again, live, he has a hard time getting through it and just remembering all that. I can't even imagine. But yeah, it did get on a run when we saw it in late September last year. That was definitely the high point. You know, Ed, he's getting unleashed himself in this, like, very intense, and that's what makes these versions later in the year so special, is that you get to hear Ed at his full anger and bitterness. But also, like, take into account, there are these Gigaton songs. I saw him do this during Never Destination. 7 o'clock is going to come up a little bit, as well as Super Blood Wolf Moon. He does have a notebook there, and he's getting a little bit of help. I am never going to say bad things about artists that do that. There's a lot to fucking remember, especially when you're writing, you know, music's version of dictionaries for some of these songs on Gigaton. So if he's got to use it, fine. I'm sure that would lead to him figuring out what songs he's more comfortable with, just being able to sing them. And maybe that's why whoever said really had the breakout. But yeah, he's doing it. So what? Not a big deal. All right, so now he's going to talk about drummers here. It says over the last couple of years, we lost three great ones. Neil Peart, Charlie Watts, and of course, Taylor Hawkins. And then he continues to talk about Taylor a little bit, which was still like very, very fresh. I believe it happened in February or March. I can't remember what month, but it's still very fresh. He says, you put all these lights together and they wouldn't match up to the light that poured from within that guy. He omitted something very special and then specifically points out Matt and says, Matt, sorry for your loss, but this just gives us another chance to tell you how much we appreciate you as well. 
that leads into Quick Escape, which is absolutely like a monster drum song. So I'm wondering if that got tied in. And of course, I think a lot of our expectations for Quick Escape on this year became true. It was the banger that it was set out to be. It's just one of the most pure rock and roll songs that they've had since the turn of the century. Yeah, Quick Escape is a complete 180 for me from we talked about with Never Destination, whoever said from my point of view. Quick Escape, I, yeah, just came out of the gate just burning, like immediately you could tell, like this was going to be one of the best live songs on this tour. And, you know, I remember watching it on the live stream and being like, man, this just jumps off the speakers. Like, I cannot wait to see this. For me, yeah, Retrograde and, and Quick Escape are the two that jump out early on here as being like two to watch for sure. And Quick Escape lived up to that. It only got better and better as the year went on. All right, we talked about this earlier, and now we're going to get into Ed's side of the story on this too. Got a request tonight from a guy. Um, his name was Mike, and he had a brother named Stan. We lost in an accident a few years ago, I think 2016. Um, he sent a note, and uh, I, I could see that I, I'd met him before. I'd, I'd, we had taken pictures together in the past. And, um, so, Mike, I'm, I'm thinking about you. I'm, I'm sorry for losing your brother. And um, uh, I can, yeah, I hope you're hanging in. It doesn't get easier, it just gets uh, different. Um, now, we can relate. Uh, my brothers are here tonight, and, uh, and my mom, and my uncle, and my nephews. And, uh, and, uh, you know, we lost a brother too. It was, it was four of us boys, um, a sister in Texas. But it was four of us boys and, and a few years ago in an accident, um, we lost him, just quick. And, um, and uh, it's, it's, it's fucked us up pretty good, but we've, we've come close and, and we've gotten through it, I think, together. And, um, and, and we think that that's what he would have wanted. Um, so, but this is the, you know, the last time we played here, um, you know, he worked here, uh, he was going back and forth between here and, and South Africa, and, or, and, um, and the last time we played here, he was working up in the rig, he was up in the lights, and, um, he was a tall guy with a very, um, identifiable silhouette and the whole show I kept looking up and and there he was and um and every once in a while I could see the silhouette <sighs> I think he told me after I think he said you know there was a couple times I could have pissed on you 
but he showed restraint, and, and, and I really appreciate um, I'm, um, So to come back here again, and um, I think that was the second to last time that I saw him. Um, the next time was on my 50th birthday, the last time. But, you know, the local crew here is so great, and, and uh, they must have cared about him too, because um, they put up a plaque with his name up in the rafters. And uh, I want to thank them for showing love to my brother. I want to thank this band for showing love to my brother. And, you know, if he could be here, if not physically, maybe metaphysically or something, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he would, and, and he just may be, so. Um, join me, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll sing this one for him. This is for Chris Mueller. Thank you, talked about Long Road and how it was expected that it could have been the opener on this, but there's always a reason for everything, and I think that without this story, you kind of cheapen what Long Road could have been at the show. You really needed that here, and what a performance this was. Unreal. The passion, emotion, and it's not just Ed, it's what the rest of the band is doing. It's just giving him the room to do his thing and almost like getting to a point where it's almost dead silent. You got Matt kind of doing something a little bit delicate back there, but everybody's just kind of giving him the room during the verses. And then once those choruses come in, once those bridges come in, the band is just powerful. You can see this and you can see when he's getting to those emotional parts where he's just screaming, you can see it in his face. Like that is all of that pain emotionally and that grieving just 
let it out. He's just belting it out, and you can tell how cathartic this was for him. An absolute perfect performance of this song, and maybe a top five all time. Yeah, they've got a way of kind of channeling emotion into music like this, and you know, that might seem like an obvious thing to state, but it needs to be said. Yeah, this had a lot of strength and a lot of emotion behind it, you could tell. It is visibly moved during the speech in the song. Everybody's got their fireflies out during the performance as well. But to me, you know, Long Road is almost unique because it's not a big McCready song. Like, it doesn't have a big solo that it gets to. It's more about what Stone and Jeff and Matt are doing. And like I said, kind of pushing the rhythm of it and having it be a big moment and hitting those accents on it and making sure that the parts of the song that are supposed to hit making sure they do and yeah i'm with you this is up there with the all-time long roads for sure and you know following up is given a fly and i thought that this was the absolute perfect one because when oh, yeah. Yeah. when you listen to this like it reminded me right away that at that show in 2013 where chris was up in the lighting rig he dedicated the song to him so yeah. it's another great tie-in i think that you needed all that energy to get into something more positive but it's also in a way like another tribute for him it keeps kind of the soaring energy that long road has when long road opens up and like you feel like you could literally fly uh, yeah. Given the fly just builds on that and, and kind of yeah keeps that energy going. It has the same kind of like soaring sense to it. Like you know, you needed something still with some emotional power after Long Road. You can't go like Long Road into Leather Man there. You know, you need something that's got a little bit more weight to it. And Given the Fly is perfect for that. This is a very very powerful ten minutes of Project Live. Oh sure. And do our justice to give it to you how we give it to you. But go back and watch this on YouTube, go back and listen to this on the boot, like, it needs your attention. Starting from the dedication up until the end of Given a Fly. Ed's gonna speak again. This one I'm just gonna gloss over because he's saying, you know, Matt's drum teacher and my guitar teacher is here, and Rick Sutcliffe, who was a former pitcher for the Cubs, is there, and Bill Walton's there, so yeah, he's just kind of... people if you're, if you're into that. Yep, he's name-dropping a lot. The name-drops will come back in a more awkward mm-hmm. moment a little bit later, but that takes you into another gigaton with Super Blood Wolf Moon, and then we're going to get into Daughter, which has the In My Tree tag, which can be traced back to Mike. Looking back on it, that's a big moment now. You know, at the time, I think it was more like, oh, cool, like maybe they didn't have time to play it, or we had talked about like, oh, maybe we're not going to get it this year. Maybe it's just going to be relegated to this kind of tag status. But knowing that it was part of this tribute and he was still thinking about Mike and his brother there and wanted to throw that in and didn't want to leave it undone. He wanted to come back and add on something to that makes it really special. Up here in my tree it wasn't a long tag by any means it was basically the first couple lines and then there was some improv that kind of happened after that but just to get it is just a huge surprise and we did know then what the reason was for them doing that but now that we really understand it i think it, it just means so much more 
a little nod to Super Blood Wolf Moon before we kind of move. Very crunchy guitars on the song. I like that out of that. It's <laughs> not one of my favorites, but I thought the guitars yeah. were very, very crunchy on this. That's fair. Another gigaton, this is what Ed says is one of his favorites off the last record. And it took him two years to get to play it. So seven o'clock is right here. One of the most interesting songs, just overall tone and sound wise from the record. And when it comes to overall tone and sound, I'm obviously not the genius on this. So once again, we have to hand it over to Javier to really explain what was going on during the song and what he liked about it. So once again, another Gear Guru segment. From afar, down under an oasis where there are dreams still being born. And some spoke to him to relent, all encouraging words. And I was fully grateful, me with messages were third. Moved on from my despondency and left it in the bed. Do I leave it there still sleeping or maybe kill it better? Seven o'clock is a really good example to understand what a MIDI controller can do for these guys. Stone and Ed, those are the two ones leading the song. Mike is doing more like the part in the back, just playing the chords. But Stone specifically, he's running a whole reverb, a delay, and an overdrive. Also, if you're wondering what kind of reverb he's running right now and what kind of like delay he's running right now on his board, they're both made by Strymon. The reverb is called the Big Sky, and the delay is called the Timeline. Amazing, amazing pedals. The cool thing about this is while Ed is playing with the Ebo and generating that intensity over the front of the mix, Stone is controlling the volume, but he's adding gain in making the reverb bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger as the song goes towards the, like, the climax of the song, right? before he will have to be tapping like four or five pedals at the same time disengaging the pedal kind of like playing with the knobs no right now he can do everything with one single tap in the midi controller and just go full on over the volume pedal and especially in this new tour something that i really liked about him besides playing like super different wave guitars that we will talk in another one of the shows that we're going to be covering for 2022 is the fact that in the new songs he's always building like this bed where everybody can rest upon if you really listen to this kind of version of like seven o'clock retrograde or even whoever said you can listen in the back how he's building small little layers of basically gain or a really really gentle reverb I think it's a wonderful ad, and I think it really takes him sonically to a different path because that's personally something that I wanted to see from Stone from a long time. Well, thanks again, Javier, and Javier is just an awesome dude. I just want to put that out there, and I can't wait because he is going to be my ticket buddy for the second Chicago night, so I'm really excited to, in the live setting, get to hear what he's hearing and what he's seeing and it might be more educational than just enjoying yeah, a show. You're going to be getting the Gear Guru live. Exactly. Yeah, I love going back and listening to what Javier is adding here. It's such a different angle than you and I are able to do. So yeah, I think Javier is great. And like, thanks so much for, for taking the time and, and putting all this together and working on, you know, getting it right. He makes sure he knows what he's talking about. It's for sure. Oh yeah. No, he gets down in the research. If he has to get on the guitar and play it to figure it out. That's right. Uh, he does that. 
Yeah, I thought seven o'clock really, like, again, it started off a little bit tentative. It's another one that's like long and a lot of different changes, a lot of different parts to it. But I thought once it got to the bridge and then going into the solo, it really picked up and really ended up in a, in a really good place. Ed's going to introduce the band here, but the most interesting part about this is saying that Jeff and Stone should do a podcast on couples therapy. Well, this is an open invitation for Jeff and Stone to come on this podcast to do couples therapy and talk to us about every moment that they've lived from 1990 until this very minute. So the, we're going to work. We're going to work through all their issues. Yep. It's going to be a probably a 900 part series, but you're all going to listen to it. So there won't be a lack of content there and 39 years together between the two of them. And really, you know, <laughs> that was a year ago. We're on Jeff and Stone 40 here, guys. That I hope is going to be celebrated a lot. Yes, once so we, we get somebody to, to make t-shirts for the tour. Jeff and Stone well, 40. I'm already working on t-shirts, but what's one more? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is interesting, though. We get a little bit of a background into Jeremy. We always knew the background of Jeremy and what we were told from students and his mother in interviews is that they listen to the song and they're like, that wasn't Jeremy at all. Like, that wasn't him. But that's Ed, of course, just picking up a newspaper and then writing. And he is taking moments from things that he remembers growing up in school. And he says here, he's like, part of what I witnessed in junior high over in San Diego is that it was related to bullying. And since they're playing local songs, this is a connection. And the one thing that really stuck out to me is when he gets to the little fuck part and he kind of, I don't know if it's an admission or what, like, I don't know what direction this is, but he says... Was he a little fuck because he was the guy being bullied, or was he a little fuck because he was part of the bullying? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's ambiguous. Yeah, I think it's well, we, we don't know. How out of this world would that be if if Jeremy was like semi autobiographical? Mm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I can read that much into it. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, we'll have to wait until he feels like he's in the mood to explain it some more. Yeah, I, I'm sure if it does ring that true to him then I'm sure it's probably something he doesn't want to relive, and this might be as close as we get to that, but still a little bit more insight that we didn't have before because we always just thought it was Jeremy and the shooting yeah. and everything like that. And, so. and you know, and we know he's he's able to kind of put himself into character and really live through these characters, whether it's, you know, female protagonist or whoever else. So it, it could just be something that he was trying to channel some emotion by getting into that character, we don't know good performance here i think that in this year it was sort of a rekindling of sorts with fans where i think a lot of the stigma around jeremy and just being just around for so long and being the one that everybody on the street knows i think that sort of went away and sort of kind of became the oh my god i feel like i'm back in high school again song so going to some of those shows and I'm I'm thinking about Toronto especially when they played Jeremy like the place was just out of control like they were just screaming the Jeremy haters are loud on on social media but when you're in that building no one's not singing along 
Yeah, exactly. What are you going to do? Just sit there and mope? I've been to a show where somebody actually did sit and mope during Jeremy, but maybe it's different now. <laughs> All right, Porch is going to close out your main set. Of course, it always does in this late era. Well, maybe not always, but it's as close to any in- inevitability that Pearl Jam has. And we kind of get the evolution of the Riffy intro as last couple weeks we saw that the Riffy intro was starting to get implemented a little bit. We were starting to see what that would turn into. And now we're almost going back in time. And it's not fast porch by any means, but it is no way that bouncy and sing-along way to get into porch. It's like, okay, this is porch. Here we go. Yeah, it's not the dun 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 dun. Right. Yeah, but the cool thing on this is just, you know, watching Ed in full Daltrey Townsend mode. He's already windmilling during the intro and just goes completely off during the jam of the song and doing the, you know, reflecting the light off the mirror guitar. This porch just kind of got it all. It really puts a bow on this main set very nicely. This is the song where I thought that stone really had a metal feel to this Mm. like very heavy distortion like just i'd love to kind of go through now and and pay more attention to stone and see how much more that was implemented because you don't think of stone as a heavy metal guy at all always a good idea to pay more attention to stone i'm I'm definitely proud of that for sure but when you do it's usually like okay here's what he's doing acoustically here's what he's doing with the rhythm and then when it comes up oh he's kind of channeling some heavy metal here like I see it. I see what your influences are at the moment. So, very cool stuff. And everybody, again, is huddled around Matt at the end and laughing and having a good time. Like, this is a very feel-good show. And I'm sure at this point, whatever nerves they had before the show are just kind of out the window. And they're like, yeah, this is back to where we want to be. This feels good again. All right, we're at the encore. Let's pause for station identification. Let's thank three brand new patrons that joined up this week and i'm hoping it's because of our little push that we did for the love boat captain evolution episode because we got some great feedback on it and people were really happy to listen to it both of us really really appreciate that but hopefully the three of you that we're going to shout out right here felt the same way and, and got something good about that so let's thank mark mcqueen joining up on the bonus leg tier and we'll thank travis putz for also joining up on bonus leg and we'll thank patrick atchison for joining up on bonus but did the year subscription so the three of you guys thanks and we really hope you enjoyed the evolution episode from last week well if you yourself would like to join patreon and listen to that love boat captain evolution episode and so much more that's going on over there today's interview with mike in full will be on patreon at some point later in the week so if you want to get the full background and story like he tells a story about meeting ed that's that's phenomenal so if you want that full thing it's very very good that'll be on patreon and as we all say every week join up on patreon to do that it's a dollar a month on the bonus leg tier that will get you everything five dollars on the gig leg tier it's going to get you a show request Any show that you've been to that you want to hear us cover, we will get to it and we will dedicate the show to you. We will tell your story. And then if you want to chip in a little more, help out our website, liveonfourlegs.com, which is going to be, again, in heavy traffic once it comes September because the Concertpedia will be running at full speed. Then what you get from the Horizon Link tier is also an episode request that kind of gets pushed to the top a little bit. 
and you'll get a profile episode. Just sit there with us, talk about Pearl Jam, talk about your life with Pearl Jam and some of your favorite live moments, and we just shoot the breeze on all that, and it's a good time. To do all that, and you're helping us out with the whole shebang here. Everything that we're doing on tour, all the events that we're putting together, some of the merchandise that we're putting together very, very soon. We got some art for it pretty recently and happy with how that's kind of turning out. And I think that the shirt is going to look really good. It's going to be a tour shirt. So please look out for that. I think you guys are really going to love this. And yeah, it it just helps out the process and makes it easier for us to do what we need to do to get out to reach people, especially at the shows and do our post game shows and everything like that. So if you want to join, shoot us a dollar a month, even if you don't want the content, you just want to chip in to help. It is patreon.com slash live on four legs. Go to the Patreon app and search for Live on Four Legs or liveonfourlegs.com. We'll have links up at the top, a big orange button that says join Patreon. So, all right, back to The Rock. It's going to be another story here. There's like two stories that are developing out of this. And it seems like at first it's kind of another like going around the horn and and, uh, introducing everybody. And he mentions that uh, John Krakauer, the writer of Into the Wild, his book Under the Banner of Heaven, was just released as a series. And that's what Jeff and Josh did the soundtrack to. So he kind of makes mention of that there. But then he's going to shout out some local things. I didn't write all of them down, but specifically lose records that he shouts out. I believe he shouted out them in 2013 as well. Yeah. And says his high school and says the proximity to the ocean guaranteed you weren't going to graduate. And then goes on this little thing. Like if you young people won't graduate, you'll turn into drug dealers, dope addicts, or maybe even Republicans. So yeah, he's, he's kind of going on. I think I'm just going to flash forward. He does mention, opening for Alice in Chains really, really early on when they were still Milky Blaylock. But I think the interesting thing to me is just another peeking into the curtains of the development of a song and says that he was up heavily drinking It's in Seattle at 4 a.m. and couldn't come up with the line of the chorus. She's a what? Just couldn't figure out what it was, and he was going to give up. And then his phone buzzed, an 808 number from Hawaii, that he couldn't answer because he had headphones on, and it was a call from Jerry Lopez. So he said, that's it. She's a lightning bolt. And yeah, he's a surfer. I don't know much more about Jerry Lopez than that. I don't know what the lightning bolt tie is, do you? Yeah, I'm not familiar. But look, that's the development of of how this song kind of came to be, I suppose. And I think we talked a little bit about this prior to those shows, like what lightning bolt songs would kind of be holdovers. And I think that unequivocally the top one was going to be the title track. And it wasn't at all. And this is the only performance from last year. Yeah. Yeah. Now I've mentioned this a lot. I feel like I bring this up anytime that we talk about lightning bolt songs from 2022 that Ed just lost it. And you can tell that he was just working really hard, pushing at it, but he was laboring during this. And I wonder if that was the key to why they nixed it for the rest of the year. Yeah, and especially here, after you've already gone through this, the main set, which is long, you know, only 17 songs, but, you know, all the gigs and stuff is long. You had a long even flow, a long, long road. Daughter was long. Jeremy poured, like, 
that was a long main set to get through and I'm sure he was a little bit windy getting in this. I'm not sure this was the best idea to come out with Lightning Bolt here, but we'll see. I think they should try it again. I think they should try it again. And well, yeah, look, I don't think you've seen the absolute last of it. Right. I, I think you're right. I don't think it's an encore song. I think it should be like more of a, a mid-set kind of like bring you back sort of song. But it's just interesting to see the evolution of it so early on that he's going to say after this, like, we're just not doing this one anymore. Not giving it another shot and kind of knows where they are with it. So it was a good performance, though, like good performance musically obviously ed had a tough time and you can tell he kind of strolls over to mike when mike's doing his solo and just puts his head on his shoulder like ah i really tried with that one so yeah also during the version and this is what made me think when when seeing this on live stream that this was gonna be a staple is that there are little lightning bolts going off on the on the that set overhang like you see yeah. the lightning bolts that are kind of flashing by and i'm like oh yeah of course they're gonna play this uh, a couple times but yeah things change yeah. so the next story is gonna be before better man and he's talking about his mom and says that while raising four boys she graduated from san diego university in 1989 and then says in 1992 she got her master's there and from that point Knowing what the next song was, I thought that, okay, maybe he'll give a little background into Better Man, and that would be really something special, because that seems like it would be another tie-in to San Diego. No, it's not that. It's about Bill Murray and trusting him with his kids. Yeah. It, like... I don't know if he had a purpose for that and lost it or what, but that was a really, really weird reference. It goes back to, you know, Michael Jackson is innocent and the Sean Penn thing and his kind of dubious history with celebrity. But yeah, I mean, it's a Chicago thing. Bill Murray's a Chicago guy. He's trying to stick up for his friend. I get it, but I don't know. Again, stuff like that doesn't always age well, so you have to be careful. Yeah, I just think it's just the wrong time. Like, yeah, I don't think there's yeah. anything bad about Bill Murray at all. I think right. that from everything you read, he's a tremendous human being. I think it's just that, like, why here? Yeah, because, well, like, yeah. What's what's the point? Yeah. yeah, it's not like he was in the audience. And when when they do the next two shows at in L.A., I think there are more references to other celebrities that may or may not be there, and maybe one more to Bill Murray. Which, yeah, yeah, yeah very yeah. very confusing, but. Yeah, look, Better Man's a good performance, and what's interesting about this is that he kind of took turns with the crowd in this. Usually, he lets them have the can't find a Better Man, but he does the can't find a, and then stops and lets the crowd sing just Better Man, which is just an interesting take on it. And very cool thing, like mid-song, where he stops playing guitar and just kind of grabs the mic by hand. You really don't see him do that too often when he obviously has a role in the song, so that was kind of interesting. But the improv in this is very nice, too. Just because it's hard, don't run away, get through the hardest part. I think maybe that is also connected with what the theme of the rest of the show is. Yeah, I like, you know, I think he's still going back, you know, the the big thing on it is, you know, like I said, don't give up. I think that that ties in a lot, you know, that would tie into the band as well last year and didn't give up. You know, it's another one that we've heard 
500, 600 times, but in the right moment, it can still hit and be a, be a nice moment. I always like when he kind of ad libs during save it for later and throws a little bit of a personal touch in there. So, yeah, I wish we would have gotten a little bit more insight into it because we've gotten hints and we kind of know what it's about. And when he mentioned his mom, like, okay, maybe we hear a little bit, but uh, total 180 into something else that really didn't matter. Playing the little songs. Yep. What does matter is that they are going to turn around to the back, a.k.a. go behind the counter to play small town to the folks back there. And it's a really big stage. So I can see that the crowd back there might feel like a little separated from the stage. Like usually when you get the crowd at the back, they're on top of them, but there's all that extra room in back. And that kind of pushes them back a little bit. I I just wonder if they kind of felt a little isolated back there. Yeah, it can feel like you're not, and I've never sat behind the stage, but you know, I've been at shows where I've I've seen and I've pictured it. You do feel like you're almost watching it from like behind the glass or like you're not really there. So we don't usually mention like it is really cool that they do that. I don't know if a lot of bands would take the time to make a point of it and turn around and you know, have it be a cool moment. He usually will say something, oh, you know, like, this is the size of a club we played here in 1992 or something. So, yeah, it's always a nice moment. And, like, small towns, you know, we saw them do different stuff with it, but but small town's the one. Like, that's always going to get a big reaction. Before we get into the Mamasan, like, we're getting pretty powerful and emotional yet again at going to the pump organ. And back in Ohana, when they played this at one of the Ohana shows, it didn't feel like the right setting for this like i I always kind of go back to that and say like ed was wearing like a backwards hat and it didn't feel like any lights were dim they opened Mm -hmm. an encore with it and didn't feel like they were capturing that special emotion with the song and that was one of the things i was really keeping my eye on for early this year was how river cross was going to be presented and the way that they did end up presenting it was pretty special and this really sets the tone for what they are going to do the rest of the year because as we know and as what's still going on in ukraine right now that's the whole thing that's tied into this song and the reason why this song is going to be played a lot yeah some of those versions in europe definitely were huge moments and hit really really hard the song's not quite there yet you know this is only the the second performance like you mentioned but I still think this is great. I, I love River Cross Live. I think it ends up being a nice moment, and I'm glad we saw so many times that they, all oh, the, the pump organs out there doing River Cross. How many times did you see it get cut from a set or like the pump organ lugger just kind of going out there? Pump organ yeah. just sits there and then has yeah. to bring it out every single show without getting used and usually getting crossed off. Yeah. It became it became kind of a running joke, a little bit. But uh, yeah, glad they broke it out when whenever they did. And again. This is not the big emotional moment that you would see in Europe, but still a very good performance. And, you know, I think one of the L.A. shows, they brought it back, and I think they actually prefaced the song by referencing the situation in Ukraine. If I remember correctly, that would be the first version where Ed would get off the pump organ and go right. go up to yeah. the mic and start singing. Yeah. Like, that's... You're right. Like, it's not quite there. You get to see, like what the moment looks like you get to see kind of what they're doing with it and how special it's going to be but once you get to the next version that's a lock for what the song is going to be that year well here we go this right here is what makes the show complete (laughs) 
premise of this show being local and being attributed to San Diego looking back when we heard that during the live stream we should have said oh we should probably get the mama song at some point and I don't think I ever said that and for some reason when we were doing the zoom I think it really didn't dawn on us until once hit like once they got into once I remember just throwing my arms up and said that's it they're ending with a live and that's going to be the reverse mama song for this and it's the most 
perfect thing to pay tribute to not just the location, but to pay tribute to something that's the most meaningful thing. And I like, I don't think this is arguable in a way. Like the most significant thing to what this band's development is is the Mama Song tape. Like without a doubt, without that, there is probably none of this. And for them to not just give this to the local crowd by saying like, hey, that tape that I got from Jack Irons and went out and surfed and and got this inspiration, that was in your backyard, that was here. And they're paying tribute to that, they're paying tribute to the history that everybody that I know that listens to this podcast absolutely cherishes it. And it's just a romantic way of saying that you get this that like there's some bands that are probably out there that really don't care about their history and it's kind of like eh, we don't we're gonna play the hits that everybody likes and we're not gonna connect the dots but this is connecting those dots this is what really Pearl Jam does best when it comes to putting it all together and telling their story and these three songs together was just complete magic to me yeah, and it's a really nice way to end it too. Like going out on on a live, you know, there's no covers at the show, which is different from what we've been talking about lately for sure. But I think you know Ed even tries to make mention of it after footsteps. He's like, oh, you know, it's it's the three the songs, three. and it was. But like he trips over himself and just decides they just kick into one. It's like, all right, well, if you know, then you know. Each of the songs has their own moment. You know, footsteps is is great. Coming off of River Cross is like the perfect time to go into footsteps. They kind of build off each other really well and then once in the in the modern era it's, it's just really fun and a big crowd moment and everyone's you've got the fingers in the air singing along and then you get into alive and like we're getting back to like a current version of alive here with a big finish it feels like a big epic moment this is the celebration of the show retying everything together a really really long solo from mike again you can tell that mike is just having the time of his life getting to play the alive solo again after three and a half years and it's just yeah i agree it's just the perfect way to end this show i mean you couldn't have like written it up better yourself it was not just a throwback but it was tying all of the loose ends up and it was going full circle on not just transpired throughout all of pearl jam's history but like the last couple years of waiting for this show and waiting for special moments that really mean something that people are going to take out of a show and say yes they did that and that's important because of this like i think that out of all the moments like that that you can attribute to shows like this has to be one of the top especially from a more recent era that's up there while saying like they pay tribute to one of the most important parts of their history in the place where it happened like i don't think you get better than that yeah, this is don't. probably the, the best use of the mama san that we've seen in a very very long time yes i, I would say ever yeah, you know not, yeah. even going back to the traditional playing alive once and footsteps mm-hmm. like this means more than all mm-hmm. of that I can see that just little things that I want to bring up here like yeah the, the atmosphere was awesome during alive and I think that all we needed was to know that we had those moments and that's what's really going to be the perfect thing to kick off your 
hey, we made it through a show, and this is what Pearl Jam is going to be like for the next 32 shows this year. And I don't know if you noticed, but Mike, on both Footsteps and Alive, will go back, and maybe it was just a, a small progression, but it did feel like the delay effect that they used in the production of 10 that he his guitar had that sound emanating from it i definitely heard it in footsteps i think it was at some point during the alive solo as well so going Uh, back and listening get with us oh yeah i hope he caught that too but I'll, i'll be talking to him about that but we're not done yet this is all gonna finish out so nicely and and they bask in another major crowd reaction and they know the weight of everything and it's kind of like saying without you guys we wouldn't be here especially getting through the past two years and getting through covid like it was all worth the wait and the thing tying it all together for me was the mention of jack and yeah. he's going to he's going to say here San Diego brought back a lot of memories just working here my job was a lot different and it changed in a matter of a week when I went to Seattle being friends with these guys I want to thank Jack Irons for being a part of this and a part of our group and a part of our family forever and I want to thank Stone and Jeff for having faith in the young fuck that I was back then and Jack undeniably is part of the story and such a huge I mean, bigger than just sending him the tape, obviously, but he puts it all together for them. And I'm, every time that he has a chance to to really get to thank Jack, I, I think is special. And I think in this moment was none more deserving moment. Yeah, it feels like we're in a little bit of a mini Jack Renaissance right now because the giveaway thing just came Give out. And Jack's getting a little bit of love. We've seen some interviews with him and he's getting some recognition for his performances there. So, yeah, good for him. I, you know, Jack, he's my favorite of the drummers. So. Anytime he gets a mention, I'm happy. Okay, let's get into the top three moments of this show. Oh, man, it's going to be really tough to sort of figure out the placement. (laughs) Because, yeah, you have two that would absolutely be number ones in any situation, but they're unfortunately in the same show. I think number three for me is going to be retrograde, though, because that just i love hearing that song and a couple times i got to hear it last year i thought really helped impact the show and made it what it was so yeah we got retrograde there at number three number two has to unfortunately be long road yeah that's really tough for me to say because i don't think anything should beat the mama song at all like that is the thing Mm. you take away from this show Long Road probably overall is the best performance. Not probably, it is the best performance. It's the most powerful. But I think the meaning behind those three songs together and where they are is unmatched. I I get you. I'm going to take a little bit of liberty with the top three this week. And I'm going to do three for three, two for two, one for one. I'm going to go the Mama San, the three songs, number three. My two together are the Retrograde and Quick Escape, the two that really hit me from Gigaton, and my number one is Long Road. Okay. Yeah, like, I don't blame you for putting that number one at all, so... Yep. It's a phenomenal performance. All right. To put a rating to this is very difficult because we're only a year back from this. We're looking at this in a light of just a little bit of retrospect, but not like the full grand scheme of this. I don't think this show got enough credit that it deserved, 
but I also don't think it really sneaks into the top five from last year, which is weird to say because this is excellent on so many different levels. I think this show will be more important as time goes on. And I think it's probably due to the the trio, but I don't know if I can say that right now it's a 10 show for me. That's really, really tough. And I know, yes, both of us were on top of St. Louis and we gave that a 10 easily, but we were both there. If I was there, I think hands down, it probably would be a 10, but it is just right under that. I think this is a nine and a half. I agree. I think I'm I'm right there. I think it's got enough of the big moments that you go back to. I think it just doesn't have a couple of things that would put it up in that, you know, all-timer category. But yeah, it's, it's I mean, it's one of the best shows of last year. Like I said, it might not be in the top five, but being the beginner, the opener of the tour, the opener of the year gives it some weight and a very well-constructed set list by Ed, you know, tying in everything, kind of the history of the town, like one of the best kind of like shows tailored to a city that we've seen so i'm right there nine and a half as well all right that means it's an excellent show you guys it was only one point away from a perfect score and that's pretty good in all of our books right there well next week we again are going to do another 2022 show because that's what we're feeling right now and then after that we're gonna flash backward 30 years in time so that'll be a complete change of energy and pace for the pod once we get there but we're gonna do camden from last year next week and you know we looked at all the shows and we kept in mind you know we wanted to do hyde park at some point and we did a a london show earlier this year so we kind of pushed that back a little bit but we will do it at some point soon and camden i felt was just the 1b to st louis's 1a of the six that that i attended and there's a lot of good story that i'll have from it it's a lot of great performances it's a lot of shock performances so i'm gonna have a lot of fun sharing that with you guys next week camden 2022 one of the best from last year okay now we got that out of the way that was a good episode a good show thanks all for listening in if you liked this then please head on over to Spotify, Apple, make sure you're subscribed, give us a little rating, and on Apple you can tell us what you think, and it's not just us, it's everybody that's tuning in and looking at the comments and saying, okay, well, if these people like this and this, then I'm going to like this show too. So it's less of us, we're going to talk good things about our show no matter what, but if you guys do that, then that puts a totally different weight behind it. So... Hopefully you guys will do that. I know a lot of people just came off of doing that and we have 93 ratings. The goal for the end of the year is to get seven more to get to 100 on Apple. So let's see if we get there. But thanks everybody for for doing that and, and helping us elevate, especially at this time of year. Got about four or five months till tour is ramping up and I know that people are going to want to get excited for it. So hopefully that with you guys and hopefully with new people too that we're going to help you out to to get there and get you excited for it so that's all i got for this say goodbye this may be the end we're here but not for much longer and although we may be parting ways miss you already miss you always well it was great looking back on the last year and there were some really special moments from the show last year and we'll kind of do it again next week but yeah This train just keeps rolling. Hopefully everybody got what they wanted out of the ticket drop and everything like that. And if you didn't, then please 
reach out. Always willing to help. We'll see you next week. Time to unleash the beast. We're so grateful. So grateful. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being the wave we could ride. It felt like a barrel. We love you. Thanks so much. Good night, all. Good night, Bill. I got a gift for you. Suck it. Good night. Um, hey, just real quick, because uh, just because because San Diego brought back a lot of memories, and and then working here, you know, I was, I was uh, my job was a lot different. Um, and it changed a lot in just a matter of a week from, from when, I, when I went from here to, to Seattle. And, um, and, and being friends with this, these guys, and, and especially uh, just in, in public, uh, I, I just want to thank Jack Irons for being part of this, the history of our group, and being part of our group, and part of our family forever. And, uh, and I just want to thank Stone, uh, Stone and Jeff especially for having some faith in, in uh, the young fuck that I was back then. So. Thanks for the trust. And uh, until next time, catch some good ways. Take care of one another. Keep this place beautiful. We love you. Good night. Goodbye.